2: The sinfulness of the human race is taken as a basic fact. It's called the doctrine of original sin by theologians. And this doctrine of original sin does not mean that all human beings are as bad as they could be, thank goodness, or that they're utterly evil in all they do. But people are evil because they are self-centered instead of God-centered. And this taints everything they do.
1: Yes, no matter how hard we try, we just can't help but be self-centered. That's Pastor Layton Sheely, and this is a broadcast called Study Verse by Verse. He's continuing today in the book of Matthew, the seventh chapter, the Sermon on the Mount, and a specific area dealing with the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Here's Pastor Layton.
2: And sometimes when we are seeking and doing God's will, there are obstacles that get in the way. And when that happens, then we need to keep Knocking until God opens the door. We need to keep pursuing until God's will is done. Prayer gets things done. Now there's another important insight that's provided from the original language. In Greek there are two kinds of imperative or commands. There's the aorist imperative and there's the present imperative. The aorist imperative uh, issues one singular command. The present imperative issues a command that you should always do something or continue to do something. An example of the first is, shut the door. An example of the second is, always shut the door. Keep on shutting the door. Jesus uses the second form. And so Jesus is saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Now, why does he ask us to keep on praying like this? Well, he's not talking about vain repetition like the pagans. He's already addressed that earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. He's not talking about informing God as though God was ignorant because he's already addressed that earlier. And he's not talking about God being reluctant until we persuade him because he's already talked about that. So then why does Jesus indicate that we need to persist in prayer? And I think the best answer I have found is that a persistence in prayer is a test of our sincerity. Do we really want whatever it is that we are praying for? Is it something that's so continuously in our thoughts and our heart that we, want to, that we pray for it all the time? How sincere are we about what we're asking? The question is not, is He ready to give? but are we ready to receive? It's not so much that we prevail on God, but rather we prevail on ourselves to submit to God. Only through prayer can believers stay in contact with God, know what He wants us to do, and have the strength to do it. God answers those who persistently ask and seek and knock. Verse 9 For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, the word everyone here, I need to clarify, does not refer to everyone. Um, Jesus here, when he uses everyone, is referring to those who belong to the heavenly Father. Those who are not the children of God cannot come to God as Father. You remember when we started the sermon, we noted that Jesus was surrounded by the crowds. But this sermon was specifically de- uh, designated for his disciples, directed towards his disciples, children of of God. So the everyone here is talking about uh, children of God, which means that if someone prays prayers that are not answered, they may need to ask the question, am I really a child of God? The repetition here emphasizes that the certainty, with certainty, the prayer will be effective. Verse 9, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven who uh, give good things to those who ask Him? You know, one of the most selfless relationships among human beings is that between parents and children. Parents are very likely to sacrifice even their lives for the sake and benefit of their children. And yet the greatest human parental love cannot compare to the Father who gives us love. And there's no limit to what He will give us when we ask in obedience and according to His will. Now, at this point, we might have some among us that object. They might say, well, pastor, I prayed for such and such, and God never came through for me. God never delivered what I prayed for. It's important for us to remember that the promises of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount are not unconditional. It would be absurd to think that uh, ask and shall be given to you is a pledge that has no limits or moderation, that that, uh, knock and the door will be opened is something like open sesame. You know, uh, that would really turn prayer into just another form of magic where we're Aladdin and God's the genie. And, can, and and can you imagine what this world would be like if God answered every prayer? That would put an incredible strain on those who pray. I'd be very hesitant to pray because I know how limited my wisdom is. And I know that I could ask for things that are not good. I've prayed many a prayer where. I, I was glad later that God didn't answer. There's a country song, I think. Thank God for unanswered prayers. So being good, our Heavenly Father will only give good gifts, and being wise, He knows what gifts are good for us and what are not. Thank God He answers prayer, and thank God He sometimes denies our requests. Now, we should not overlook Him saying being evil in this argument because throughout the New Testament, The sinfulness of the human race is taken as a basic fact. It's called the doctrine of original sin by theologians. And this doctrine of original sin does not mean that all human beings are as bad as they could be, thank goodness. Or that they're utterly evil in all they do. But people are evil because they are self-centered instead of God-centered. And this taints everything they do. Jesus here asserts the sinfulness of human nature. What Jesus is saying is even when people are doing good, even following the noble instincts like a parent for their child, even then people do not escape the description evil because that's what human beings are. The notion that mankind is inherently evil did not originate with the apostle Paul. Jesus in his teaching regularly assumes the sinfulness of humanity. Now it's important for us to remember that God didn't originally make mankind sinful. The human race became sinful because of a rebellion against God in the garden. Long before there were ten commandments, there's only one commandment. Don't partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when Adam and Eve chose to partake of the forbidden fruit, that decision impacted the entire human race and all of creation. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 explains the effects of Adam's sin. Therefore sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all men sinned. And when Paul says through Adam's sin death spread to all men, he's saying that through the sin of Adam... All men sinned. And when we first confront the idea that we have been counted guilty because of someone else's decision, Adam's sin, our reaction may be to protest because we think it's unfair. I mean, were any of us there present in the garden that day? I wasn't. So how can I be counted guilty for someone else's decision? And we might have a tendency to even... Judge God. Is God really fair and just in this manner? Well, an answer to this objection is to point out that if we think it is unfair for us to be represented by Adam and thereby inherit the guilt of his sin, we should also think it unfair for us to be represented by Christ and thereby inherit his righteousness. And yet it's through the system of imputing guilt and righteousness that God has provided righteousness for all who believe in Christ Jesus. Our first representative, Adam, sinned and God counted us guilty. But Christ, the representative of all who believe in him, obeyed God perfectly and God counted righteous all who believe. We were born sinful. We were born in sin. King David wrote, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now the Bible teaches that life begins at conception. And when King David was conceived before he could think, say, or do anything, he was already sinful. Another thing that's important for us to remember is that thanks be to God, he isn't going to leave us this way. That someday, Jesus is going to make all things new. Wouldn't you love to have a new start? A new life? A new beginning? Jesus is going to make that happen. But it has not happened yet. Jesus said, if you then, who are evil? Now, there's something else that we need to observe here. And that is that Jesus disassociates himself from sinful humanity. You notice he said, you... Who are evil. He didn't say, We who are evil. He said, You who are evil. There's something special about Jesus. Jesus is not only God incarnate, He's also the only person who ever lived who never sinned. The Bible says so. This makes Him the perfect high priest. The author of Hebrews in chapter 5 describes the function of the high priest. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So the high priest is the mediator between God and men. And notice that the high priest is chosen from among men. The high priest has to be a man, part of the human race. Jesus is God incarnate. The word incarnate means in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the God-man. John's Gospel says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A few verses later, and the Word became flesh. Now, why did the Word, Jesus, have to become flesh?
1: Well, we'll start the next broadcast with the answer to that question. I hope you can join us for that. If not... There is a way that you can hear past broadcasts and broadcasts that we'll share in the future. It's very simple. You just go to the website for the church and for this ministry. That's highlands.us. That's Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. It's at highlands.us. Any other details about the ministry and about the church can be found on that website, or you can give us a call at 650 873 4095. That's 650 4095 I'm Mike Trout. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Come back on Tuesday when we'll continue and study verse by verse.